This morning I want to talk about, I'm talking about identity. I talked last week about identity. We're going to move forward in this again. And uh, actually, uh, the, the paper that I handed out, I don't know if you got it, but I handed out a paper, and it's very interesting. Well, it wasn't interesting until I got into it, started studying through Ephesians 2, uh, these particular verses. But, uh, you know, God really gives some, some interesting things about what he's doing and how we are connected as a, as a, as a family to God and to, to one another. And so let me just start by let me just start by saying this that you can't find one particular verse in the Bible that will give you a, a whole overview of the depths and the, of what who we are in Christ. You know, the whole world is looking for identity. The whole world is. You know, we think that well in the church we're the only ones that are trying to find our identity. That's not even true. The whole world is trying to find identity. They find it through what they do, what they own. They find it through what their education. They find it through, and the church does much of that as well. We, we do that as well. You know, whether it's just who, if you ask somebody, so, so uh, you know, who's, um, so who's Ben? Who's Ben? Uh, who's Ben? Ben, uh, well, you know, he's married to Jackie. I don't think I know Ben. And then it's like, well, he's the guy that worked in VBS. He's the guy that was in the military. He just read, oh, I know, because we know people based on basically who they, what they do, what they do. Their identity is mixed up so much in what they do and what they've done. And if we do that, then here's the thing, that we're always going to be up and down in Christ. I'm talking about we're going to be up and down because, let's face it, we're not perfect. And we do things, other people do things, and it's like, I don't want to be connected to them. You know, they're idiots. Oh, did I say that out loud? I sure did. Because we, whether we say it or not, we think that way sometimes. So let's just kind of start here. And uh, I want to read through Ephesians chapter 2, uh, 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. And remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners of the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's talking about the Gentiles and the image that they had you know, from the perspective of the Jews and, and a lot of that, that the uncircumcised, they, they're, they're far from Christ. They don't have the law. They don't have the promises. We, we didn't know that. We didn't know there was a promise or laws. I'm talking about the law of God until we came in contact with the gospel. We knew there were laws of the land. So let me go on here. It says, verse 14, for he himself is our peace. He has made the two groups. What two groups? the Jews and the Gentiles in this illustration he's using, uh, two groups, one, and have just, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law which with his commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new, new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in the one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their own, their hostility, I'm sorry, their hostility, and came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Through him, we both have access to the Father by the Spirit. 
Verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole body, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, I know there's a lot of stuff. I've read this. I've read this so many times, and I'm thinking, I don't get it, or I get it, but it's kind of like, yeah, there it is. And I just started looking into this. I heard some stuff. I've been studying through this. And so, and looking at identity. So there's three things that we'll look at just for a few minutes, and I hope to get through all of them. If I don't, I'm going to try not to rush through it. But uh, basically, there's three things. And the three things we're going to look at is that, number one, that this text tells us, these three things, that the gospel creates a supernatural community. That's what the church is. Not just this church, the church at large. The gospel, when we respond to the gospel, there's a supernatural community. And see, uh, you know, it's like, well, okay, whatever. I guess in theory that's true. We'll talk about that in just a second. A supernatural community. The second thing is that he does that through spiritual heart surgery. Through spiritual heart surgery. I've had it. I've had spiritual heart surgery. God's taken things out of my heart that I didn't want to let go of. I didn't think I could let go of, but he's taken things out of my heart. And when he does that spiritual heart surgery, that works itself out in a new identity, in a new identity in Christ. And so let me just take a few minutes. There's a lot of stuff, but I'm just going to try to hit the the parts that are important, you know, for, for this morning. Uh, so the gospel creates a supernatural community. That's who we are, the church. When I say the church, I'm not just talking this building and this group of people. I'm talking about this building and, and the Lutheran church over here and the, the, the churches that are scattered all over the community. What we have in common is a community. We have a spiritual community, okay? And so let's just take a second and look at this. And so Paul gives us three quick images here in verse 19. He starts in verse 19 and 20, I think it is, or 21. Uh, so he says, consequently, we are fellow citizens with God's, with God's people. We're, we're citizens. That's who we are. In Christ, heavenly citizens, citizens of a heavenly city. That's, and see, when we're young, we don't even think about that. We're thinking, yeah, well, I live in Yuma, and I live here in America, and I'm an American, and this is where I live, and this is me. This is where I'm at. But when we get born again, we have dual citizenship. Some of you sitting here probably have dual citizenship. You might be a citizen. You might have a citizenship from another country. But the thing is, is every one of us that are in Christ here, we have dual citizenship. Our citizenship is here, but it's also in heaven. And the one that's more important is the one in heaven. Because that is the community that God is creating that's what he's creating, a, uh, a, a, a supernatural community. The second thing here, oh, actually, in Philippians 3.20, he says, our citizenship is in heaven. We are eagerly, eagerly waiting a Savior from there, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're waiting for him to come back and to take us to that place. And then, so the first thing is, is that we're fellow citizens. The second thing is, is that we're members of his household. Verse 19 says, we're members of his household. We're his family. Uh, as Christians, we've been adopted into his family. And we're becoming, the third thought there uh, quickly is, is that a holy temple, 
of the Lord. He's building us together like living stones. He's putting us together. And I know over a year like we've just come through, year and a half that we've just come through, we feel probably in a lot of respects kind of separated, kind of broken apart or kind of distant. But God uses these three analogies here. This is what he's building. And then that's what he talks about in this verse, that we are citizens, that we are family, and that we are a building that he is putting together. We're a building that he is putting together. And so uh, let's just kind of break this down a little bit more uh, in relationship to God, these these three metaphors. Uh, In relationship to God, a king lives in the same country as his citizens. That's where we live. He's our king, okay? A father lives in the same house with his sons and daughters. uh, uh, So and the temple imagery is that he comes and he lives right inside of us. So this community that he's talking about is not something that, oh, yeah, I'm a card-carrying Christian, I'm a card-carrying member of the church. I'm a card-carrying what believer, whatever. No, no, we're connected by his spirit. We're connected. But the problem is, is we're, we, we might be connected like on paper, the scriptures, but are we connected? And see, I know when you preach like this, what ends up happening is people are going, you know what? I'm okay to go to heaven, but I don't really want to get that close to people that are a bunch of weirdos. And there's a bunch of weirdos out there that I don't want to connect with. Well, I want you to know you're on their weirdo list too. We're all on somebody's weirdo list. But God is creating a spiritual community. And everybody is different. And so uh, basically, what does this uh, metaphor mean here? What is this, you know, we're, we're a family, we're a uh, uh, basically, we're a community, we're citizens, we're a family, and then we're a be- build up, building up to be a temple. Years ago, I had uh, gone to, um, I'd gone to one of the pharmacies here in town. This is a lot of years ago, and um, I went in. I was, I was picking up a prescription. I'm standing there. You know, when you go to pharmacy, usually you got to stand there and wait because it's a line, especially if you go at the wrong time. And so I'm standing there and I'm waiting. And I step up to the window, and this guy who's behind the window, I, I knew him. I didn't know him real well. I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't know him real well. And um, he knew me. And so he says, um, hey, man, he says, um, how's the church? And I'm thinking, oh, he obviously knows that I, you know, go to church or anyway. And he, I said, oh, church is good, and church is good. And anyway, and uh, I said, uh, I didn't have anything else to say. I didn't really. And then uh, he says uh, something about, man, let me tell you, God healed my wife. And I said, I'm thinking, so is the prescription ready? And I mean, I'm not saying I didn't want to hear it, but it was, like, it was like there was a connection between him and I that I didn't even understand at that moment. And he says, man, God healed my wife. And I said, what? What do you mean? And he said, man, he said, Jesus healed my wife. Now, obviously, in the conversation as it moved forward, I I, I, I realized that he was a Christian. I realized that he was uh, a believer, that he genuinely loved God, and he was needing something. But when he began talking, telling me she was in stage four cancer, basically she was, she was gone. They, wasn't, they were going to be able to do anything. And he says, God miraculously healed her. Tom, I'm telling you, he, he healed her, and, and he's celebrating. And I'm going, wow, praise the Lord. And we're talking back and forth. like a bunch. Of, we're, we're like a couple of lost brothers celebrating something that happened. People are going... What's wrong with these weirdos? And you know why we were acting like a couple of lost brothers? Because we were. Because we're connected. You may not realize it. You may not say, well, what church? I, I, somebody I talked to someone the other day, 
And they asked, you know, for a specific, okay, would it be possible? I said, yeah, absolutely. They said, well, now I don't go to church. I said, that's okay. That's okay. And we just talked a little bit. And the thing is, is I think that we as Christians, we have a community that this, what God is building in us, what God is building in, in, the, in the body is being aimed at by the enemy on every side to tear it apart because the blessing is where God commands, a un, commands his unity. That's where God commands unity. That's where God commands his blessing, where there's unity. And so the thing is, is when we stop and realize what God's doing. So with this guy, he was very different than me. He had a different education, different background, different whatever. But you know what caused us to get on the same level? That I realized he loves Jesus. Well, but did he, does he speak in tongues? Because if he doesn't speak in tongues, how can you be friends with him? I've had people tell me that. I'm thinking, what? Now you're on the weirdo list. <laughs> That's what I told him. I didn't tell him. That's what I thought, though. The thing is, is this spiritual community that God is creating is bigger than what we can imagine. Our identity is we are the body of Christ. This is who we are. There is power in the numbers that God is joining together. Verse 18 tells us the reason for all these metaphors, for all for this, you know, we're like a citizens, we're like a family, uh, we're like a house that's being built up. Verse 18 says, for through him, through Jesus Christ, we both, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, but I believe he's talking about anyone that's different than us, maybe a different race, maybe a different cultural background. We all have access to the Father by one spirit. That's what Jesus did. He brought us together into a spiritual community. That is what he is creating. And you know what? See, you know, the first thing that happens is we go, that sounds like a lot of work to me. He did all the work. He did it all. We have to just be willing to receive the resources and the power to connect. And that's where the work comes in on our part. We have to be willing to receive the resources and uh, that power to connect. And I believe that power, which we've already talked about, is that grace. So the place that God commands a blessing is in unity. Okay, so the question is, is are we seeing this type of, of unity in the body? Are we seeing it? And see, the, 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 the super spiritual answer would be, of course we are. But let me just tell you in the flesh from what I see, No. I'm not seeing it. In some circles, absolutely. I see God doing some, I see people connecting. But as a whole, at, at large and as a whole, I'm not seeing a connection. But here's, here's the point, I guess, with this verse, with this thought, is that we are capable. We are capable of this supernatural community. We're capable of this. It's not something that, yeah, one of these days when God does, no, God's done it all already. Now it's really us allowing the resources that he puts into us. And let me tell you where you get a lot of those resources. Well, where you get all those resources is through the word, through being in fellowship, connecting. Because here's the thing. For me to say, yeah, I'm a part of 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 a supernatural community, but I never see anybody. What good's that? You know, we have family reunions from time to time over the years. And um, certain folks can't make it or don't make it, one or the other. Are they still apart? Well, sure. But there's, there's not a lot of family support. There's a, not a lot of, of connection that we want because it's like, 
we know them, we, we love them, but it's like them not being around is to their detriment and to ours because we love them, because we, we love them. And so Hebrews 3.13, let's look at this real quick. Hebrews 3.13, he's speaking to Christians. He says, exhort one another daily. Daily? So that you will not be hardened through the deceitfulness of your sin. Okay, so there, in a sense, this word exhort is it's a pretty strong word, and it means to call near. So he says, let me read it again, and think of, what, think of the word exhort. It, this word means to call near, to counsel, to argue, even to confront. So he says, exhort one another daily. Call them near. Counsel them. Get counsel from them every day. I think that might be a little, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not every day for you, but I'm telling you right now, it's not once a month. It's not once a quarter. It's not once in a while. It's being connected. You know, if I don't have time in my own house with my own family, with my wife, if I don't have time with her, you know, let me tell you what happens. Trouble breaks out. Trouble. You might say, wow, what did you do? All kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> I just need that connection. I just need that connection. And it's the same thing with the body. We need one another. So he says here, uh, exhort one another daily so that you will not be hardened by the deceitfulness of your sins. And there's two assumptions here. Number one, that sin is deceitful, meaning that you don't see it sometimes. You don't see what it's doing in your life. But in this connected community that God has, we have family, we have citizens around us, we have God in the midst of us, and we have, we have one another. And the thing is, is you're, I, know, I know this is a fact. People are afraid to talk to others about things that they see destroying their life unless they've been invited into that conversation. People are afraid to step up and say, man, what's going on? What do you mean what's going on? You don't know what's going on? Nothing's going on. You think something's going on? Is this your supernatural community? Is something where we, God is building this and he is giving us, we're like, we're citizens, yes. We're family, yes. But we are a body. We're a temple that God is building and putting together. You know, in a family... You know, you live in the same house, but let's face it. When God builds a temple, when you're building it with stones, you know what that's connected by? That's connected by mortar. That's connected by cement. You don't get much closer than that. And that's the analogy. All of those, all those connections, they, they gradually become more intense. Yeah, we're citizens. We live in the same community. We're family. We, we live in the same house. We are being built into a temple for God. And it's talking about the temple like that God lived inside of. We are the temple. We. Not me, just me. Me, yeah, I'm a part of that. But us. God lives inside of us. And so uh, there's a couple of assumptions here. The first thing is that sin is deceitful. And that basically we might be living in denial of maybe things that are destroying us. And so what we need to do is we need to uh, be willing to um, ex be exhorted. Not just exhort. Maybe you need exhortation in your life. Maybe you need somebody to call you near and say, look, are you doing okay? Man, I'm concerned about you. Instead of getting offended, say, well, yeah, I, I think I'm okay. What are you seeing? I'm blind to my faults, probably by choice. <laughs> and so are you. 
And a lot of them we're blind to because maybe we don't think it's a fault. Maybe we think it's a character trait. Well, it's really, you know, not a character trait, maybe. Maybe it's something that we're just allowing to happen. But this community that God's building is something where he can put his blessing, command his blessing. And so the thing is, is the assumption is that a sin is deceitful and that you live in relationship with other Christians uh, to, to a degree where a level where they can share. So sin is deceitful. We have people in our lives. That's what that, this scripture, the assumption is. Let people speak into your life because there's things that are trying to destroy us. And when you live isolated, nobody sees. Nobody sees what goes on. Nobody knows what goes on. Nobody can look into your heart, into your life, into your environment and say, man, what's, what's happening? And maybe it's because they haven't been invited into that environment. So not, not just because they don't, they, people don't know about our, our, the stuff in our lives just because they see it. They, they know things about our lives because they hear us say things that are going, something doesn't sound right. What, what, what did you say? What did you mean by that? And it's not about being judgmental. It's about having a heart. Well, listen, when my kids were growing up and I would hear them say something, and I'm thinking, where'd that come from? I'd say, where'd you hear that? Where'd you hear that? Remember what, what, what Adam said or Eve said? Uh, you know, basically, um, you know, what God has said, has, did God really say? Did God re- We hear things. We hear things that contest what God's word says. We hear it. And the thing is, is we hold one another in that place in love, not in force, but in love to help one another. We are, what's our identity? We're the body. We are a supernatural community. And when you ask somebody what's happening, and especially like with social media, you you get the happy face, you get the thumbs up, you get the heart, you know. How you do that? Heart. When in fact, what's happening is you got tears, you got a broken heart, and you got a life sucks. But they're not going to put that up there because you can control your image in the social world. But the thing is, is when people are close to you, they see, they know, they care. That's what God is building here. That's what God's building. The second thought, let's, let's hit this quickly. Um, so basically, God builds this supernatural community through uh, spiritual heart surgery. He, you know, what's the tumor? What's the disease? What's the thing that God needs to remove that he talks about here in this verse? What is it? Well, we can look down through there. It's hostility. Let's read it. Let's take a second and let's just read this. Verse 14, he mentions this two times in these passages. He said, for he himself is our peace. He has made the two groups. Now, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, but let's don't get hung up on this. It could be races. It could be cultures and backgrounds. It could be all kinds of things. But in this situation, he himself is our peace, and he has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Well, I know I'm not hostile. Well, we're, we, become, we can become hostile when we don't like what somebody else says to us. When we don't like when somebody doesn't do something that we expected them to do, what we need them to do, or when they question us about something that we don't, it's none of your business. We're a supernatural community. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to be in the middle of everybody's business. I'm just saying we've got to have people in our world and in our life that can ask us, how you doing? 
And the reason they might be asking that is because it doesn't look like you're doing very good. Our identity is we are supernatural community. Verse 16, he says, And in one body he reconciled both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. And that word hostility means opposition. It means enmity. It means it can even be as strong as the word hatred. It's, it's bitterness. It's that thing that says, you're different than me. I don't like the way you talk to me. I don't like the way, and I'm not even talking about just in the church. I'm talking about in the world because this is even bigger than just what goes on in the church. This is what goes on in the world. And we as Christians, we as believers, the biggest problem we have in our world, one of the biggest problems we have right now in the world is hostility towards people that are different. That's what we have. Now, maybe not, you might not feel that way, and you may not be you're what you're experiencing, but that's all we see anymore. It's hostility, it's, it's division, it's enmity, it's, and let me tell you what the answer for all that is, what we just read here in verse 14 and verse 16, to understand and know that God has taken that hostility and he put it on the cross, he put it on the cross with him. He, he took it to the cross. He went into our heart, and if we allow him, he'll go into our hearts, and he'll pull it out. But you know what? We guard those things, don't we? Because I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be this. I have a right to be that. Okay. I didn't die for my own sins, so the one that died for me owns me. We didn't die for our own selves. Christ died for us. He died for all men. He died for every person everywhere so that he could take the hostility out of their heart. And the hostility is not just with one another. There's also hostility. There was hostility between God and man. God was angry. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God crushed Jesus on the cross. He crushed him. Crushed him because he became sin. He wasn't crushing his son. He was crushing what Jesus became on our behalf. And the thing is, is if we want to be different, what we have to do is we have to understand that, number one, God is creating this supernatural community of which we are a part, and I'm not just talking about it. i got to go back and say it again. Not just this building and this church, this group. Those that call themselves by the name of Christ. That's who we are, a spiritual community. And the thing is, the heart surgery that he wants to do, See, I, I, I've, I've never been to a place where people do surgery and they say, hold them down. I guess it happens. I don't know. Hold them down. You know what? Oh, surgery is something that you yield to. God, take out of me what you, you know, doc, there's something in me. Uh, uh, yeah, it's this, that, and the other. What do we need to do? We need to get it out of there. When can you do it? Well, I can do it on Tuesday. Can we do it on Monday? We want stuff that's destroying us out. And the thing is, is that's what God did through Christ on the cross. He removed the hostility. That is the stuff that causes us to be at odds with others, not just in the church, but in the world even. Hostility. Hostility. Ephesians 2, verse 11 through 14. Let me read this, he says, remember you were formerly uh, who you were. Let's see, remember that formerly who you were by birth and called the uncircumcision by those uh, 
themselves, the uncircumcision, the Jews, remember that at at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in, in Israel and foreigners of the covenant of promise, of the promise, without hope, uh, without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, here's the thing. The Jews and the Gentiles were both at conflict. They were at enmity, both of them. Because the Jews became very proud because they had the word, they had the scriptures, they had the promises. But and I, I, as I was reading and studying this, you know what God wanted more than anything? As he, gave the, the, uh, uh, as he gave the commandments, he gave the regulations. You know what he wanted? He wanted the Jews to be a light to the Gentiles. That's what he wanted. See, I, read, I was looking at it and I'm thinking, really, was there any hope for the Gentiles? Was there any hope for anyone in the Old Testament that wasn't a Jew? Or were those people just kind of you know, disposable extras. Were they just people that were born and died? God didn't care about them. God cared about them. God loved them. He loved them just as much as he loved the Jews. But the thing was, he picked the people, he chose the people. Oh, wait a minute, he's done it again. He chose us and he made them into this community that he wanted them to live by the laws and the standards and the principles and the regulations of God so that they would become a light to the world. They would become a light, and other people would recognize. You remember when David goes uh, running into, uh, he goes into the camp, he takes the cheese and the bread, he lays it down, and he goes out to 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 where they're going out to battle. He's standing there, and he's talking, and all of a sudden, Goliath shows up. And see, in my estimation, in my thought process, if I'm not careful, I can think all those people just ought to be flamethrower, burn them all up. God doesn't care about them. God loved every one of those people. You see, we can say, well, I don't, I don't really see that. Are we looking for that? Because David, when David goes up and he, and, and he says, who is this? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? David even called an uncircumcised Philistine. Who is this? And he, he basically tells him that he was going to go out and he was going to fight. And he says that the, that, that the world, that all the earth would know that there is a God. That's what God wants us to do. He wants to live in this supernatural community, showing the love, showing the kindness, showing the mercy, showing the love of God at a level where people are going, that's what I want. That's what I want. But what happens? The supernatural uh, community begins to fall apart or never really comes into fruition, never comes together, because the heart surgery that God wants to do is never allowed in certain places, in certain situations because I deserve to be hurt, because I deserve to be offended, because I deserve to have this thing, because the life isn't fair, because you don't know what I've been through. I know. I totally understand. The last verse I want to mention this morning, and I just want to jump right to this, is the verse here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And it says, For he made him, talking about Jesus, God made Jesus, who knew no sin. Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. He made him who knew no sin to be sin. To be sin. He he, he stood in the place. Sin stands right there. Jesus got in the place. He represented our sin. So that, he said, he made him to be Be sin for us, for me, for you, for every one of us, 
so that we might become the righteousness of God. So here's the thing. Jesus didn't become a sinner. Jesus didn't become hostile on the cross. Jesus didn't become angry and unforgiving on the cross, but he took my unforgiveness, my anger, my hostility, all of my sin, and he became that, and God crushed him. He crushed him for me. You know why? Because he's creating so that I could become, here's where the righteousness of God is. Tom, stand here. Yes, Lord, that's how I see you. You're the righteousness of God. Church, stand right here. I see you as the righteousness of God. See, three things quickly this morning. If we can understand and and accept and think about this a little bit, that God's creating a a supernatural community that we're already in. We're in. But the thing is, is why we can't find the ways to connect better than we are is because there's things in our heart, there's hostility inside of us things and I'm not even saying for people in this room I'm saying for things that happen to us in life we become hostile I don't you know, I did a wedding recently not recently it's years ago actually a lot of years ago and it was right here and uh, the wedding I'll just I don't remember what time it was supposed to start four o'clock 4 30 something like that and I got here and uh, so I'm here and about half the people are here and when I say half the people I'm talking about the people out here all the people out here were here pretty much but the wedding party didn't show up until 45 minutes later. And I'm, you know, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> I got mad. I didn't, I did the wedding, but I got angry. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Well, here's the thing. Different, it's not my culture. It's not, that was not my culture. I'm just talking about the people group that were there. And I love those folks. And I'm not mad at anybody. But I'm just saying, because I'm prompt. And I'm on time. And I'm a hard worker. What happens is, I begin to look at people that I consider that aren't prompt and aren't on time and aren't really hardworking as me as being less than and I can have a little bit of disrespect and whatever towards them. And the thing is, is God wants to take whatever it is, whether it be that type of a cult. And see, here's the thing. We sit here and we go, well, that's, that was rude. I got my own kind of rude. <laughs> and so do you. We all have our own kind of stuff that people put up with. All of us do. All of us do. But the one thing I think we've got to stop and look at is, here's the deal. Jesus died on the cross. He took all of our sin, all of our stuff, all of our junk that God was angry at. Because God is angry at sin, not at sinners. He's angry about sin. He's angry because it separates us from him. And he told Jesus to get on the cross and to take all the sin of the world and to carry it to the cross. And when he looked at Jesus, he turned his back and he allowed him to die there for us. And then he took us and he placed us in a place where he looks at us and see, you might look at me and you go, well, I don't see the righteousness of God. I'm sorry. You know Because it's not something that I do. It's something that I am. It's not something that we do. It's something that we are. It's what the scripture says that it's imputed to us. That's another translation. It's imputed. It's it's laid upon us. And so the identity of the church. Let me just finish with this this morning. Our identity is not in how hard we work. How smart we are. How eloquently we feel like we speak. How productive we are. 
how much we've accomplished, blah, 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 blah. It's all about who lives inside of us, who our Lord is, who our Savior is. Now, we can all become better in certain areas in the natural, but the truth of the matter is, is, you know, in my own house, I've got two daughters, and they're both completely different, and they both have completely different skill sets and and abilities and so why don't you ask me which one I love more come on there's no there's no there's no discerning there's no saying well I think there's I, I don't love you I love them both equally when God looks at you he loves you as much as he loves whoever Billy Graham or whoever you think is the most, you know, person that's accomplished the most or whatever, he looks at you and he says, man, to choose between you and that person, I'll take you both. How many, but don't you love him? Nope, don't love him anymore. And when we look at others in the body, let's don't look at others in the body thinking, well, you know, I think God puts up with him because I know I do. Wrong. God loves us. He loves every single one of us. And we are set in an, he is building a supernatural community. And he's doing that by spiritual heart surgery, taking away whatever causes hostility between you and any other person. And I'm not just talking about people in the body. We can't reach people in the world if we're hostile towards them. Well, you know why you're in this mess, don't you? Because you're a loser, that's why. Because you keep making stupid decisions. Well, tell me now what I need to do since you've really talked me down. God wants us to have a heart like him. Jesus didn't, you know who Jesus really got onto it with, got onto, got into it with, was people that thought they were all that. The Bible says that they held the truth in unrighteousness. They held the truth. They held the promises of God in unrighteousness. They held it like, you know what? They don't deserve it. They don't deserve Oh, look what they're doing. They don't deserve it. They're not like me. Remember the guy that was down over here praying? Don't, it's in Luke, I think, and he says, Father, I'm glad I'm not like others. I'm not I'm glad I'm not like those people that do this and those people that do that. Lord, I love you, and I'm better than them. He, maybe he didn't say it in those words. And then the other guy that's over here saying, Lord, forgive me, for I'm a sinner, and I need help. God wants us to know that we represent him in this spiritual community, and people are not going to find the light unless we show it to them. We have to show it to them. We have to love them. We have to care for them. So there's a supernatural community that God is building, and he's doing it by heart surgery. What is the surgery that you will undergo that God wants to do in you? I have to look at my own life. And then he does that. When he does that, we begin to have a, become a new identity. And this is who I am in Christ. And I'm, I'm a part of, a, of an amazing body that loves people, not because they did this or did that, but because God loves them. What makes you valuable is not because you love God. What makes you value is because God loves you. And every person, I can say that about the same way. Let's pray.